0: Welcome to the Too Much To Say podcast, where we have Too Much To Say, episode 20, Too Much To Say, ranks the Best Picture winners 2008 to 2017. So the last 10 years, we're going to be breaking down those Best Picture winners and how they stand up to each other. But first, I want to welcome everybody out on Twitch dot tv slash 2m2else. We welcome you all out. We are live 8.30 p.m. every Tuesday and every Saturday. Tuesday is Culture and Politics, and Saturday is Sports and Esports. So if you're catching this on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, or whatever podcast provider you are finding us on. If you want to catch us live, it is is a live video stream. You can come get the full experience if you want. And we even uh, we have a little Q&A session afterwards for anything you guys want to break down. But we appreciate you listening no matter where you're coming from. So let's go ahead and hop into the weekly random. Today we're going to not shake anything up, and start... (laughs) And we're going to start with a Donald Trump tweet. Because our boy, Donnie T, I mean... I don't know, I, I just imagine this is what it'd be like if I had a racist grandfather that was slowly losing his mind and was president and had access to Twitter. If he didn't have Twitter, I mean, he'd just be a quiet racist, I guess. But since he has Twitter, we we get to Twitter and no self-control. Sorry, let me not forget that part. Since he has Twitter and no self-control, we get to hear all the inner workings of his little racist mind. And what he hit hit us with today, um, if you hadn't heard about it, Omarosa Mingault or something to that effect. Who was on The Apprentice with Trump back when he was a reality, a non-presidential reality TV star? He made her. She he hired her at the White House, and then he fired her. And now she's writing a book. He actually fired her. I think it was like eight, six or eight months ago. So it's been a little bit. But now she's written a book, and she's making the media tour. And this is what Donald Trump has to say about it. When you give a crazed, crying lowlife a break, and give her a job at the White House, I guess it just didn't work out. Good work by General Kelly for quickly firing that dog. (laughs) I mean, like... What are you doing, man? So, basically what's coming out, one of Omarosa's claims against him is that he has, he says the N-word, which obviously he refutes. It's pretty hard to refute the, the claim that you use epithets, racial epithets against people or about people or just in general, when you are then actively calling a black woman... A dog on Twitter. It, it's not that hard to not <laughs> like, like. It's you can. I mean, coming out and and well, quote unquote, defending yourself is probably fine. But to then you just got to throw in calling her a dog. If this wasn't real, a it'd be a lot funnier. But B, it just wouldn't be believable. I mean, this would be a just, a, a shitty B movie like, uh, that would never happen. No one would ever like someone that stupid. And that racist, this this much of a caricature of a racist bigot and, and an idiot. But, ladies and gentlemen, this is real life. So this is what we have. We have a a racist president who calls, well, A, always comments on what people, women look like when he's mad at them, but also just calls them dogs and belittles them and that sort of thing. So, so we'll just, we can just, you know, add another one to the uh, Trump Twitter Hall of Shame. Next up in our Weekly roundup is good news. So recently, um, Paul Manafort is on trial for his like for his involvement. I mean, yeah, for his involvement and in everything. And Robert, the the good news here is a the I mean, from everything we can tell, the everything is going well with the trial. No no hiccups. Um, Gates actually came out and testified against. Robert Mueller, uh, sorry, against Manafort, Paul Manafort. But what's very encouraging is that Robert Mueller has requested that the Trump-related portion of Manafort's trial be kept secret because it reveals substantive evidence. If you're following this at all, following any part of you know the Trump, the potential Trump impeachment indictment and all that that is very encouraging we're, we're mo- definitely moving in the right direction and it's gr- I mean with the number of indictments that have come out I've been very encouraged regardless I have a lot of faith in Robert Mueller um it, it's pretty hard at this point to imagine that nothing's gonna come of the investigation I mean we we literally have The president, the, the, a nominee for the president of the United States coming out and asking Russia on television to hack his political opponent. So, I don't know how that, I mean, just because you do something in public doesn't make it okay. I mean, they literally acted on it that same day. Anyway, great news coming out of the Paul Manafort trial. Um moving in the right direction. Now for um now we're going to go back down a little bit. And this is actually in my opinion another indictment of Trump. Let us all remember Hurricane Katrina, which was essentially George W Bush's shame. I mean the his poor the the government under George W Bush reacted poorly to 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 support the Americans in Hurricane Katrina, the devastation that came from Hurricane Hurricane Katrina. Well, the Puerto Rican government has now qu- admitted that instead of sixty-four people dying in the hurricane this year, it was fourteen hundred and twenty-seven. And the United States government's response to the hurricane in Puerto Rico has. Been an absolute abomination. They like the amount of time. How hold on, let me, let, me, let me go. I'm gonna Google this real quick. How long did Puerto? Yeah, there it is. So on June 20th, 2018. Thousands still lacked power in Puerto Rico. Oh, sorry, excuse me. It has been, I mean, Puerto Rico still doesn't have full power. It's 328 days, and we still don't. This this is a U.S. territory. These are US, U.S. protectors. This isn't a third world country this isn't even somebody like cuba who we can disown and say oh you know you're nobody to us because you know you're communist and whatever this is a us territory and donald trump's government and well, let's be honest congress both sides be all the republicans all the blame that, that we put on donald trump should be evenly spread amongst the Republican, Congress, Senators, House Reps, and, let's be honest, any Democrat who votes for Trump's initiatives. I get it, some of you are in partially red states, but guess what? It's time to grow up. It's time to do the right thing, it's time to vote correctly. It's been 328 days since Puerto Rico's had full power it's absolutely abhorrent and they and 1400 people died in hurricane maria it it really it's it's pathetic and everyone in congress should be ashamed even i mean unless you've been actively campaigning for it since then you should be ashamed this is this is a problem that needs to be fixed Pure and simple. All right, to move onto something lighter, I suppose. Coming from NPR, Paris. Oh, the, the, let's just go with let's just go with the title. It is nope. Those aren't mailboxes. Paris rolls out sidewalk urinals. So, Paris. <laughs> I mean, oh, um, hold on. Let me bring up a picture. You, you, you guys have got to see this one. This is, this is fant- this is fantastic. Here, let me go to. All right, there we go. This gentleman right here in what looks like a trash can, is peeing, or assuming, or maybe he's just posing. But that right there, that is a toilet. It looks like one of the like a old school trash can that you find at McDonald's, like the big but it's but it's red, and it's it's got a picture like a sign on top of it with a picture that shows a guy just leaning back and peeing into it. They call it a yurito toitoir or yurito uritoitoir. So like a direct translation would be. Uh, pee sidewalk. Because <laughs> Paris apparently has a lot of issues with drunk people peeing. So they're trying... I mean... Not that we want, you know... Not that we want... People peeing into things... Anywhere in public. Except... Like, in public rather than, you know, in, in, in a bathroom. It's still better to have them pee into this, like... Trash can... Than have them pee into... Pee on just whip it out and pee on the street. I mean, it's it's sad that they have to do this, but it, I'll give them this. It's a unique solution to a very unfortunate problem. Um, <laughs> it's just hilarious. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. All right. So let's hop into. It was a nice way to bring bring the mood back up after. We're going to go straight into we just into the Reddit shower thoughts of the week. Because I got a couple today. <laughs> I got a couple. There were just too many. I couldn't resist them. We're going to do 3. This is this is good stuff. All right, number 1. This comes from user Common Scholar and he says, being attracted to people who wear glasses is the one fetish for physically impaired that's socially acceptable. <laughs> just, just let that one. I think that one, you just just give that a moment. Just, just let your mind be filled with other fetishes for the physically impaired. Number two. This comes from Xenomorphs at Disney. Cute names like Trash Panda and Danger Noodle would probably con- probably be considered slurs in Zootopia. You think about that next time you want to call a snake a Danger Noodle or raccoon a Trash Panda. Some anim- if if they were anthropomorph- anthropomorphic animals, they might get offended. Fantastic. Number three, coming from dissociative socio, the fact that our body knows the difference between a gas and a solid, and which is safe to expel at any given time, is greatly underappreciated. This goes both ways. Literally up, up, and down. Don't we don't want solids escaping unexpectedly either way? I do. I I do think what's very interesting about these three shower thoughts. And I don't know if it's like intentional, is that the, like the usernames attached to them are very like like very apropos. Like the one about the the fetish for sunglasses is common scholar. The one the one about the animal nicknames is in uh, Zootopia is Xenomorphs at Disney, and the one about <laughs> farting and burping is Dissociative Socio, which is I just lucky, I guess. Just, just, just lucky, I guess. All right. To close out, we're gonna before we hop into the top ten rankings, I did want to shout out a couple of uh, pieces of media that I've been been doing listening to recently. Um, If you, well, first off, we're gonna go book recommendations, and I don't know if you've ever heard of Malcolm Gladwell, but first off, check out everything he's done, but specifically Outliers. Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell is a phenomenal book, start to finish. The research that he's put into it, the ideas that he's espousing, and the manner in which he goes about it, I actually finally got my wife to start reading it, uh, and what she said is every Republican needs to read this. It really digs into the idea of just the naturally talented. And how it's a fr- basically a fraud. That no one is just naturally talented. The idea of 10,000 hours comes in from this. Ten? you ever heard that you know, it takes 10,000 hours? Heck, um, Macklemore did a whole song about it. But the idea that it takes 10,000 hours to become great at something. that This comes from him and Outliers. And, I mean, he it's fantastic, truly. I 100% recommend uh, Outliers. Like without reservation, I can recommend it. Uh, Another one, if you have enjoyed, so a few, I guess it is now. It's been a couple weeks now because last week was Hillary. So two weeks ago we did part two of How to Fix America. Four weeks ago we did part one of How to Fix America, and we're gonna do part three probably next week. Um, Just wanted to throw some culture in since, since I went full full politics two weeks in a row, but. We'll probably go part three next week. But if you enjoyed part one and part two, if you enjoyed part two, check out part one. But if you enjoyed both of them, what I recommend, I recommend a podcast called The Wilderness by the ironically named uh, company Crooked Media. And now this is literally, this podcast is directed towards the Democratic Party. And it is... I don't know. It's fascinating. It's it, there. I, I feel like the last couple of episodes had some reaches and conclusions. Like they had some logical reaches, but other like the first few episodes are wonderful. I mean, I recommend listening to all of it. I'd start at the beginning. This is truly a like an iterative pod, podcast. Like you start one, two, three, four. You you don't really want to skip. This isn't. This isn't. Like a weekly podcast that's, you know, telling you the news or anything like that. It's it's breaking things down on how the Democratic Party can fix itself, essentially, and get out of the quote-unquote political wilderness, which hence the name The Wilderness. I wholly recommend it, and I mean, I've, I've really enjoyed it. You actually... Oh, this last two weeks, some of the ideas that they came up with, or this last week, they had, they had two episodes come out this week, Um, you'll, you'll find a lot of similar ideas that I've espoused earlier, I guess a couple weeks ago, and it was almost like, hey, you guys need to stop stealing the stuff. But hey, I would just want more people out there with those ideas. So I loved the wilderness. And I'll be honest, guys, if you, ha- if you enjoyed... Um, how to fix america part one how to fix America part two those are the type of podcasts definitely to share with your friends who would enjoy them like I, this podcast isn't for everybody i know i there's a lot of liberal things going on here and a lot of a lot of progressive ideas a lot of i you know things a way to move forward. And I, even amongst my friends and my family, like one of the reasons I, you know, I started the podcast was to be able to to share these with people who would care about them. So if you had people who you think would care about those ideas, like get them out there. I mean, not just for my podcast's sake, but I mean for America's sake. Because we need some change we need change. We need to move in the correct direction. And I really do feel like those podcasts represent at least a piece of that. Probably not even all of it. I mean, there's still another part to come, and I probably still won't cover everything. But they are definitely pieces to the correct direction. All right, there's my soapbox. Let's hop in this week to ranking the Best Picture winners from the last 10 years. So that'd be two thousand eight. To 2017. Go all the way to the top here. Boom. All right. On the nominations, we have Spotlight. This little program, sometimes, I tell you what. Oh, hold on. Where's my spreadsheet? There's my spreadsheet. Cool. We have Spotlight coming out in 2015. Spotlight was the basic plot of Spotlight. There's, yeah, there's going to be spoilers. If I mean, these are all old movies, so uh, if you're coming to listen to my breaking down the Oscars, I, there's going to be spoilers. Maybe I should. Let me bring these up in order, so let's get rid Spotlight. Let's start at the beginning and move forward. Alright, so in 2008, Slumdog Millionaire came out and won Best Picture. This was a story about a young Indian boy growing up in the slums who, they tell the story of his life through the questions of of who wants to be a millionaire and how he answers all these questions, all the different experiences that led to him being able to answer the questions. Because in the movie, they they don't believe that he could answer these questions where everybody else had failed. But through some amazing circumstance, every single answer, every single question, he has to answer every single question thanks to his unique life experiences growing up as a slum dog. So in, and in 2009... The Hurt Locker came out. Man, I just keep grabbing things other than the dang. Alright, there we are. Come on, little guy. The Hurt Locker came out. This is the story of bomb defusing military over and out. I believe it's. Man, I believe it's Afghanistan at this point. And they are. It's basically, in my opinion, the PTSD experiences, Like, what the trauma that, that's caused by this. It's really the story of them, but, but at the end of the day, the story's more about how it affects the person and how... I mean, at the end of the movie, Jeremy Renner, who becomes basically the main character of the movie, he comes home to his wife. He finishes his tour of duty after you know, hundreds of successful bomb diffusings. And then he basically packs up and goes back to war and size back up because he's so messed up. Oh, didn't mean to cover that up. 2010 brought us The King's Speech. Oh, there it is. This is the story of, I want to say, King George, I don't want to be wrong here though. Yeah, King Hey, there we go. The future King George IV who it's his story of overcoming overcoming a stammer with with a therapist. That sounds like a super boring movie. But thanks, really thanks to the performances of Jeffrey Rush as a therapist and Colin Firth as King George, they, ma- they man- managed to make it all well, an Oscar winner, a-, a Best Picture winner. Whether or not we agreed with that, we'll talk about that later, but it still is a really great movie. Coming in in 2011 is one of our more unique movies. The Artist. What makes The Artist so unique is that it is a a mostly silent film. And the one movie that I basically fell asleep during. (laughs) Because there wasn't any. Yeah. But fantastically made. It is the story of a silent film star, George Valen- Valentin, maybe I don't know if it's no, uh, probably Valentine. Uh, George Valentine, who basically struggles with the transition from silent film to movies with with sound, and and the difficulty, and it, it is a very very well well made movie, and. A rightful place on this list. As such, Um, I guess I could be doing. I could also. So the artist was nominated for ten Academy Awards. Well, actually, we'll go back and do some. Let's start with Slumdog. So back Slumdog. Slumdog was was nominated for ten Academy Awards, and it won eight Academy Awards. One of the ten Academy Awards it was nominated for, or. Two of them were for best song. It won one of those two. So it lost one it lost to itself. <laughs> the most it could have won is nine and one eight. It won best picture, obviously, best director, best adapted screenplay, best cinematography, best editing, best original score, best original song, and best sound mixing. The Hurt Locker was nominated for nine Academy Awards and it won six. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, Best Sound Editing, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Film Editing. The King's Speech was nominated for 12 Academy Awards, but it only won four. Best Picture, Best Actor for Colin Firth, Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay. And the artist was nominated for ten and won four as well. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, and Best Costume Design. And if I'm not mistaken, the actor was the first actor. Where is this? Yeah, first, uh, his his name is Dujardin. Jean Dujardin. He was the first French actor to ever win Best Actor. Next up, in 2012, was Argo. Why am I blanking on his name? Wow. (laughs) I can see his face. All right, I have to Google it. Why well, can't... What is this? Oh my goodness. What a time... Ben Affleck. Good gracious. So, just a little bit of... pre. So, Ben Jar... <laughs> ben Affleck's first movie was... was with Matt Damon when they did this is you know this is a rough one for me I don't know. I got all these 10 movies in my head and I <laughs> goodwill hunting was his first movie and everyone was convinced that he was going to be a star with which he did become I mean he's been in several he's had by all accounts he's had a very successful movie career I mean that's you know un you know i i think to not be refuted right i mean he's i mean if you pull up his imdb he's got movies been in how many movies but basically he became kind of a pop, a pop actor afterwards doing movies like Armageddon um Pearl Harbor, Daredevil, which is just miserable, Geely, which was probably the nadir of his career, a movie with Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez that couldn't get off the ground, and basically people had kind of, in some way, given up on him as a as a as a serious actor until he kind of had a revolution, a kind of basically a rebel yeah a a, he evolved into a director essentially coming out with Gone Baby Gone and then The Town and then Argo with this movie being obviously he didn't win Best Director for it but obviously winning Best Picture and is winning Best Picture is always in many ways a a feather in a director's cap, regardless of whether or not you receive, you know, best actor. So best, so Argo came out. It was nominated for seven awards. It won three: best picture, best adapted screenplay, and best film editing. In two thousand thirteen, came out Twelve Years a Slave. Now, I'm going to be honest, this was the hardest one for me. I, I got through all the other movies. This one I couldn't get through. This one was... It's a story of a a free African-American in who lives in the North at the time of... in basically antebellum... United States when slavery was still around, obviously, obviously, who basically gets tricked into coming to Washington, DC. The 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 man is a professional violinist, a very talented violinist, and they trick him, you know, they, oh, we're gonna take you to DC and you know, perform a bunch of shows, make a bunch of money and we'll bring you back, essentially. And while they do go to DC and they do make some money, but then they sell him to a slaver who takes him back claiming that he's a slave. Takes him away from his family, away from and, and beat him. And and that was the uh that that was the part that <laughs> I, I, I have a strong stomach, but If there's one thing, if you've listened to this podcast at all, I guess is uh, civil human rights is is a uh, is a big one for me. And this 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 was very painful to to watch. I, I am going to finish it, but this one this was this was intense. It was nominated made for nine Academy Awards and won three Best Picture, Best Supporting Actress. And best adapted screenplay. In 2014, we were brought Birdman. This one is um this was (laughs) a much lighter movie, but man, this is this is a kooky movie. This is this is a Michael Keaton. But, and it is about um yeah, my goodness. Uh, I mean, it's about a, a basically an American actor, American actor. It's about an actor who's past his prime. He made a bunch of money off of superhero movies and then has kind of just faded but and, and so he's finally ended up on the on the stage in in New York City to try to revive his career he as he does this however he kind of starts to go insane and starts to hear His superhero, Birdman, talk to him and and coach him through all these things. This is a fantastic movie. That's a general synopsis. Definitely recommend checking it out. Um, It was nominated for nine Academy Awards. It won four Academy Awards with Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Cinematography. coming up in 2015 was spotlight There we go The story of the Boston Globe uncovering the Catholic Church sex scandal and the name spotlight comes from the and actually, this is another Michael Keaton movie. He, his movies won two back to back best picture back to back, which gotta be you gotta feel good as a best, you know, as a lead actor to to get to have two best pictures under your. Even though i he didn't win, you know, any for best actor, still feels pretty good to have that under your under your belt. This was nominated for six. Um. Not, not six awards winning two best picture and best original screenplay. Oh yeah, but spotlight came from the division within the Boston Globe that was responsible for uncovering the the, the scandal. The horror like I mean the, the absolute devastating, I mean it's crazy. The horrors of the Catholic Church, essentially. 2016 brought us another light. But this one's called Moonlight. And this is the story of a young black... Young black gay man growing up. And uh, it features basically... And basically everything that he's gone through, the difficult life, but also it's so it's fascinating. Like his, what's so fascinating about Moonlight is the way they break it down into three separate acts with three separate actors, bringing together one story. This is the this is the famous uh, La La Land goof up where they announced La La Land as the winner, and then Moonlight was actually the winner. And in 2017, we were brought Fish Sex, or The Shape of Water. Now, I'm going to be honest, this one surprised me, this, because I didn't see all of these in the year that they came out. Some of these I saw, I have seen before, and I, but i rewatched all of them. But this one, everyone had drummed it up as Fish Sex, Fish Sex, Fish Sex. But this is a movie about uh, an amphibian man who is captured by the U.S. government and tortured because they think that they can somehow this is going to give them the edge in going to the moon against the Soviets. This is it's framed in the in that era, but at the same time, uh, but at the same time, there is a um, a mute maid who takes compassion and pity upon him, subsequently falls in love with him, helps him to escape, and eventually make it into the water. the The whole fish sex concept is completely overblown, which was was shocking to me because that's what everyone had told me is that this was about fish sex, and it it's not. There's a couple of scenes where she where they they like she's naked and they they hold each other and that's all they show. Yeah, it wasn't uh it wasn't fish sex. I'm just I'm just saying it wasn't. It wasn't that. So um The Shape of Water. Oh, did I cover oh sorry, Moonlight was nominated for eight Academy Awards, won three in Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Adapted Screenplay. The Shape of Water was nominated for thirteen awards but only won four. For Best uh, Production Design, Best Original Score, Best Director, and Best Picture. And I'll be honest, Best Production Design was well-merited. It was In many ways, for me, the highlight of the movie. The production is the design and the the sets and all that are just stupendous. All right. That's our little breakdown of the movies. Get y'all, get everyone up on the pace. Just as for highest... Let's do... Let's let's do... Let's just do total gross. Highest grossing of all these movies goes to the King's Speech with 414 million dollars. Second highest grossing was slumdog millionaire and the lowest grossing was the hurt locker. Ta-ta-ta-ta. All right. All right, so let's break these down. We're going I'm going to rank these three separate times. I'm going to rank them by my enjoyment, how much I enjoyed the movies. Second will be by technical ranking, and then third will be the overall ranking. So let me bring up my little ranking. All right, here we go. For enjoyment. Number one goes. Oh, so let's go. Let's go. That's sorry. Not number one. Number ten in the enjoyment goes to the artist. It is a technically beautiful film. However, which we'll get to later, it. I like. I told you. I basically fell asleep during this movie. I just can't do make these match up. My goodness, there we go. I can't do this. The silent film. <laughs> I am spoiled by our, our day and age. So the fact that I fell asleep during it, I had to had to give it a number ten. Number seven. Uh, number nine. goes to the Hurt Locker. Overall I, I honestly don't understand why this movie won. To me, this movie this it's just nothing special. It it, it it is different from all the other war movies. Most war movies celebrate war. They celebrate the violence. This movie is more about, like I said before, kind of the PTSD of the war and, and how it affects, negatively affects you. It's not like it's a bad movie. It's just not special. It's not a special movie. Number seven. You know, here I am on. Yeah. Hold on. Let me. This is nine. I'm oh, sorry. I'm at number eight. I'm at number eight. It's in front of me, and I'm saying it wrong. Cool. All right. Number 8 goes to spotlight. This one kind of falls into the similar category of Hurt Locker. And except I support both of the messages of the movie, but neither of them are just special. This is the message obviously here is 100% accurate. The the horrors of the Catholic Church committed in the in Boston, Massachusetts, and in, in the Massachusetts in general, and actually around the world, needed to be revealed, and this is a great story for that. But I felt like both of these were in here based on their messages, not based on overall film quality. It's not that they're bad movies, but they're just not special movies. For the Hurt Locker, I would have given the award to Up. I thought Disney, I thought Pictures Up was stupendous in every way. Spotlight, I would have given it to either The Revenant or The Big Short. I thought both of those were just better movies overall. We'll, we'll do better nominees afterwards. We'll, we'll do those afterwards. But those, I, I've shared those too, okay? We'll have more. We'll have more. Not, not for every single one of these. Some of these are better. Number seven comes in the shape of water. This like I said before, this one actually surprised me. I, I at the end of the day, I don't think that the narrative is that great. It it's it's fine. You the you know they it just I don't know it's just not a special story. The the maid runs into the experiment, falls in love with the experiment, helps the experiment leave They eventually get caught, and they eventually make it off in safety. Like, it's a beautifully made movie. If anything, it won for that. Personally, I would have given the award to Dunkirk. I thought that technically Dunkirk was just a better movie. I think that... I wasn't going to do this... Uh but I thought that Nolan's Dunkirk was better from a technical perspective, from a narrative perspective, his ability I maybe they just viewed as him showing off because he can take three narratives and weave them in together. But it's an amazing movie. And, and and not like I said, it's narrative plays a big part into this for me. I want the narrative needs to be original and somewhat groundbreaking, in my opinion, for a best picture. All right. And number six coming in. At number six is Moonlight. Mind you, these are my these are for enjoyment. Now this is this Moonlight is actually. I thought Moonlight is a really good movie. Actually, if kind of seven above, I think are all really good movies. I didn't enjoy eight through nine, but I really do love one through seven. Um, No, I mean it's a good movie. It's not as enjoyable as the others. It it's a harder movie to get through. From it, the story's just heavier. um, With I, I guess what feels like not as much of a payoff. It doesn't. It movies can go down, but they don't. I need them to come back up as far as they went down. And this one doesn't feel like it does that. But it but it is a beautifully told story and it's a coming of age story. It's 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 someone's journey which I mean, I think we should all I don't know, I think we should all be able to appreciate it. Mean, that's and I, and to tell the story of someone who someone's life who is, was so difficult. I I could definitely appreciate it. It, was a, it. was a wonderful movie. If you're in, if you're, if you're in the mood for a heavy drama, I recommend Moonlight. Coming in at number five is The King's Speech. Now, The King's Speech, um, like I said earlier, The King's Speech was. Is one of the most boring concepts I could possibly imagine. I don't know about the most boring, but it, I mean, it's pretty higher up there from a, you know, the presumptive king getting over his stammer with a therapist. But honestly, Colin Firth and jo- uh, Jeffrey Rush, I'd have to look at the other nominees, but it's hard for me to believe that Jeffrey Rush didn't deserve to to win, because he's fantastic. Him and Colin Firth are both wonderful. Um, I, yeah, I, like I said, from a narrative perspective, it sounds horrible, but from a, from a from an execution perspective, it was done very beautifully. And the performances from the two actors really make the movie... Obviously, the... the uh, I mean... I think the yeah they, they did a great job the director obviously did a fantastic job kind of pulling it all together for something that had and he actually won best original screenplay. Now this is somewhat tainted because it was the distribution company was Weinstein. Um while he still held a lot of sway. I actually uh for me I would have had either there there were 3 movies in this year that I would have given the award to over King Speech. I would have given it to The Social Network, Inception, or The Fighter, over, over this movie. I have had have this number four. But number four coming in is the is Twelve Years a Slave. It was hard for me to punish Twelve Years a Slave because of the difficulty I had getting through it. Um, it is a beautifully made movie. And it's no fault of the movie that I, (laughs) I struggled with the, you know, and actually I would say it is to the credit of the movie that I struggled so deeply with the pain of the, of the, the protagonist. Number three, I have Argo. Now, Argo, is, I don't think I covered Argo. Argo is this, I just covered Ben Affleck. Argo is the story of a, rescued, a rescue made by the CIA during, at the end, basically when Iran took back, was taking back over itself, basically when, um, yeah, Argo. I have it open. So Jimmy Carter, this is oh yeah yeah yeah. When Jimmy Carter gave asylum to the Shah of Iran, the the U the U S embassy was overrun, and the Canadian uh, the ambassador from Canada gave shelter to many diplomats in Iran, and this is the story of their rescue out of Iran. By creating a movie. A fake movie. To... And that they were all members of a Canadian film crew. Trying to escape. Or not trying to escape. But they were were there scouting. You know. For tourism. They were out there to scout. Seeing. What's the word? To, To... uh, shooting locations. There we go. And, and 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 their rescue and how the CIA pulled that off. So, very 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 interesting movie. Number two, I have Birdman. Now this one is probably the weirdest. If we were doing superlatives, I would have this as the weirdest movie. But I. It's just so kooky, and so I love the like the dysphoria he like how his dysphoria is presented through Birdman. I love how he's able to really break in. I mean, just how it's how well it is well how well it's done. What did what did they win? It won. Oh yeah, best cinematography, best original screenplay, and best director. I mean, the cinematography is amazing. the The way the, that they're able to present his like lunacy and to like the back and forth. I'm surprised who who won best best actor for this. I got enough best actor. No, 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 no. Best Actor, two thousand fourteen. See if that was a Eddie Redmayne in *The Theory of Everything*. I'm gonna disagree. I give it to Michael Keaton. I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was. I thought he was magnificent. I mean, you could argue that this was him trying to be that, but he was. He was magnificent. So. Totally recommend. And my final, obviously my number one, is *Slumdog Millionaire*. I had seen this like back, like soon after it came out. After it was, on, I I don't think it's on it the theaters, but soon after it came out on DVD. But rewatching, I was completely blown away by how much I enjoyed it. It was, I mean, it really was fantastic. This is a, this is a great movie. The cinematography the uh, the plot the acting and 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 then also like to be able to weave in message at the same time I, I do feel like a lot of movies in the Oscars are are driven by message but not necessarily not necessarily always by quality like spotlight and hurt locker i didn't feel like were that great of movies but they had really good messages you know anti-war anti- Catholic priests molesting little boys. Um, and then you have Slumdog Millionaire kind of brings everything, all that together. So from an enjoyment standpoint, I would definitely put... Those are my... Those that's my top ten. Number one, Spot Slumdog. Number two, Birdman. Number three, Argo. Number four, Twelve Years a Slave. Number five, The King's Speech. Number six, Moonlight. Number seven, The Shape of Water. Number eight, Spotlight. Number nine, The Hurt Locker. And number ten, The Artist. All right, let's pull these down real quick. Let's hop in. Let's hop into the technical. I'm gonna to rip them. I gotta pull my board down. We're gonna rank these technically, and then we're gonna rank them overall. All right. So technically as I mentioned earlier, number ten <laughs> is Spotlight. It like I said, it's just it, it even even production of Spotlight isn't that great. It's set in Boston, it's fine, it's not like that long ago. So you're you're when was Spotlight set? Like nineteen? Spotlight is set in nineteen seven. Oh no, two thousand one. I was gonna say ninety eight. but two thousand one. So it's set seventeen years ago. Not not too hard to to reverse this back to two thousand one. I mean, there's just it's fine. It's a, it's a it's a fine movie. It it should have lost the award. It should have lost best picture to The Revenant, which is a spectacular, gritty, I mean gritty, hard movie to get through sometimes, but just breathtaking landscape. I mean obviously best picture went to Leonardo DiCaprio that year. His first one finally, but the movie is amazing. How how this one over that is silliness. And and if you want to go with something that's hard-hitting but also well-made, The Big Short's just a better movie. Like, I would much rather watch The Big Short over and over and over again. I thought the way they cut it all together, that the way they did the docudrama, spotlight Spotlight didn't deserve to win. Number two, I have The King's Speech. Uh, given that well, this was set back further, so your set design was a little better, but honestly, it just felt like England. I felt like we were in England a few years ago. It was fine. I... Nothing, nothing spectacular required to, uh... to pull it off, I guess. And that, that's sort of how I felt. I... I feel like, technically speaking, for me, I, I'm more about the aesthetics. I enjoy great set design. I enjoy, um, impressive camera work. Sort of like in Birdman. How, or even, like, Moonlight, how they're, like, the, the, and then, or a very creative narrative and the ability to pull that narrative together. Like Moonlight, where you have three different pieces coming together. Like Dunkirk, where it's the, th- the three that are being brought together. Um, yeah, I just, it just wasn't, Argo is fine, it is good, I mean, all of these at the end of the day are well-made movies, well-made, well-funded movies, and they I mean, the quality of the film is great, but compared to the others, they're less. Um, number four, or number seven, I've got The Hurt Locker. More technically challenging than the three beneath it. But less technically challenging than the six above it. It is... I mean, it's a war movie. It's gritty. They do, the production and set design is well done. I, I do feel like it's something we've done before. I feel like it's been done better. It was done better by... Saving Private Ryan. I mean different era, but still. Is done better by uh Blockhawk Down, which is, in my opinion, a better movie. But obviously still technically impressive. It's on um, it's a, it's a best picture. It I, I would I would have had to up beat it, but it's still not a bad um piece of this list. Next up, we have Map.. Moonlight. Oh, sorry. No, yeah. Um, ju- ju- dav- dav- Next up, we have Moonlight. <inaudible> That's correct. And Moonlight makes it to number six above the other four, thanks to its three narratives and thanks to the camera work. St- a- which, I mean, honestly, I, I mean, I, 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 just really enjoyed Moonlight. I thought it was very well produced. I thought it, like, like I said, the way they bring together the the three different narratives and the way, I mean, to be able to bring in three different, um, three different actors to play the same character, and I think it's three different characters. I mean, they do that twice with with his friend. So, and the, the way they're able to bring those all together, I think that's a very. I think that would be a very technically challenging thing to do for a director. I think it'd be very hard to get the 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 right um, performances from your actors to be able to to weave to make make that a cohesive story. Alright, number number five, we've got The Shape of Water. Now, like I said, all of it, I mean, number. I was very hard against Spotlight and King's Speech, but kind of eight and above, technically speaking, are very well made movies. The Shape of Water at number five, production and set design is just amazing. The. I mean, everything about it everything I mean this feels like it's feel very steampunk the colors are very rich and vibrant and unique um, using teal deep reds like this is Guillermo del Toro did a, a great job with this movie and the way they're able to have the fish man like and how realistic he looks if he's CG then I couldn't even tell. Couldn't even tell. It a, this is a very well-made movie. Number. Th- Do I have that number. All right. Putting you down. Hold on. Yeah, that's probably more right here. Number four. I've got twelve years a slave the realism of this movie is staggering the ability to I mean the setting is perfect it brings you back to antebellum United States the the outfits the the sets everything about this movie I mean Everything about this movie was was well produced, I mean and the the shot the camera work is stupendous. I mean really really well made movie. Number 3, I've got Birdman. I've already lauded its technical prowess and I I will laud it again. It the weaving of the of of Birdman the uh, and the alive and Kevin Costner and the quick cuts and making him there but not there and the way they um, the way they're able to have him move things with his mind quote unquote and make you think that that's actually happening when it's most likely just him grabbing it like it's I really, I'm a big fan of Birdman big big fan. Number two, I've got The Artist. Though a very boring movie in my opinion due to the lack of sound, The Artist was a very technically pristine movie. The camera work... I mean, it really does take you back to being on a... take you back to a silent film and using body language rather than rather than words and I mean Jean Dujardin deserved his best actor award I mean, it truly was a it was a great performance and number one and you can see where this list is eventually going is is Slumdog Millionaire I'll be like I said after re-watching all these movies I I just fell in love with Slumdog I The constant back cuts, the constant, like, going backwards to, to look at um, his past and bringing, like, all of the different pieces, bringing it all together into a cohesive story and narrative. I mean, being able to tell his story from start to finish, but w- while jumping around and to also represent the the horrors of the Indi- the Indian slums and still tell a heartwarming story i mean it, this is a great movie it's a great movie all right let's rip him down one last time and and give the the final Awards that are, I mean, you kind of probably can see some of them coming. Really? Maybe I should click. All right. <laughs> I'm very talented with uh, as I sit here and mess it all up. <laughs> Alright, let's make There we go. Alright. Coming in as no surprise, number 10 would be Spotlight. Ranking as number 8 in Enjoyment and number 10 is technically it reviewed the worst of all the movies. Coming in at number 9. Ranking at fifth in enjoyment and ten, nine in technical is The King's Speech. My enjoyment did not, was not able to bring it up. Coming in at number eight in enjoyment, or sorry, overall was The Hurt Locker. This one came at number nine in enjoyment, number seven in technical ranking. Is that? Oh, largest, smallest, largest. Sorry, I've got those two backwards. Excuse me. Got Hurt Locker at number nine and King Speech at number eight. It's like those numbers don't add up. To bring some sort of objectivity to my subjective rankings, I. I'm doing this by the average of their score. Coming in at number seven is the artist. Though a technically fantastic film at the end of the day, this amateur film critic finds it very boring, but it's but it's technical I mean it was just technically brilliant. I mean, quite frankly, technically brilliant. Coming in at number six is The Shape of Water. This one really surprised me. I expected, after all the negative fish sex comments, to rank this one much lower. But at the end of the day, it is actually an enjoyable film, if uninspiring at the end, because like I said, the narrative is kind of just... Blah. It's just like taking the skin... Like, like if you play any video games, you have different skins. For your weapons or for your character. It felt, it felt almost like Avatar, where Avatar is a science fiction skinned... Pocahontas. This felt like that. This, this was the... A very original skin, I suppose, with an amphibian. Set in you know the Cold War but the, the narrative just wasn't enough to bring it up any higher coming in at number five we've got Moonlight both a combination of narrative and um, in my opinion technical brilliance from a director and actors perspective it did win Best Supporting Actor I believe that was from Um, Maher, I I can't, let me see if I can, let me see if I can do my best to actually pronounce his name correctly. I am most likely going to fail because Maher Shalal Ali, who was, I know, I love everything he's in. Uh, I, I I love him, I should say. I love him (laughs) Um, in everything that he's in. I thought he was, yeah, I thought he was fantastic. And he won Best Supporting Actor and was well-deserved. And I just think he's great. Coming in at number four, I have Argo. And I have the ability to move around my little board. It is a very enjoyable film that um, was also I mean obviously technically capable but also just very enjoyable I had it at number three in enjoyment number eight in technical um, it's just I mean it's it's a really good movie it's heartwarming it the setting is perfect the I, I actually should look I would love to know where they actually filmed it since it's such an ne- Iran negative film they couldn't have done it there but a uh, very well crafted storyline I guess you always know they're going to escape but you're not but it does keep you uh, that last phone call being made to the airport just keep you at least a little bit on on your the seat of your the edge of your seat. Number 3, I have the movie I couldn't get through. And that's 12 Years a Slave. I am I am going to get through it. I will go back and watch this. Um but I mean to be able to bring me to the point that I was within I think 20 minutes and the combination of, you know, technical brilliance. And, and, and despite turning it off, I still enjoyed being taken to that place. And I, I'm i getting it back. I am going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. So drumroll, I guess. If we're drumroll, please. My number one film would be Slumdog Millionaire. We're leaving my runner-up as Birdman. So Birdman, I will go in Birdman first, but I have Birdman number two. This was actually this, I, I it felt close, but not at the end of the day because I think Slumdog just it hits every single note for me, whereas Birdman. it just doesn't hit the crescendo as high as thumb dog it, it was actually it is a wonderful it's actually a very artsy film i'd say it it in its ability to tackle depression and the difficulty of of disappointment in life to have achieved a certain grandeur and to have fallen off and never have grown, gone any higher in your life um it's very poignant it's very and it's very it presented very interestingly um that's something that can get driven into the weeds but using metaphor and using this using his alter ego in birdman to it's actually one of the reasons i really enjoy fantasy and sci-fi i like to be able to go and this would be, be technically fantasy from his delusion standpoint I like the ability to kind of bring about not just life lessons but like life difficulties through fantastical means, rather than trying to just bring them to you straight up. Like Moonlight, Moonlight is straight up; it's in your face. This is what it was like. There's no, um, there's no metaphor to it. Whereas Birdman kind of achieves. I wouldn't, I mean, obviously not as, not as hitting as a, a subject, but its ability to bring it to you in metaphor form, I think was, I think that you can get more across to people through metaphors than trying to just slap them in the face. Hey, you know, being black and gay is hard. I, I mean, I did get that message, but I think it can be brought to you in a much more narrative light way I guess the I mean I think that moonlight was perfect I'm not saying that in this case because i think that as an American people and as a film audience we needed that it's a subject that's not covered very being both black and gay where you, like being black in America is difficult as it is you're Disadvantaged, but then also to be gay, where you're rejected by your own people. Black people, generally speaking, rely on each other to support them. Whereas, when you're, if you're found out to be gay, in that, at least in Moonlight, he was then rejected by his own people. So, anyway, I enjoyed Birdman's ability to bring me the message in metaphor. Um, anyway, number one, I had Slumdog Millionaire. This is—I mean, if you look at a lot of these, are about hardship, um, to lesser degrees some, but Spotlight is about the hardship of the Catholic of of the <laughs> of the, all of the the children abused by the Catholic Church. Heart is about the the detriment of war. King's speech is about the hardship of, of overcoming, you know, a speech impediment. Um, artist is kind of the the difficulty of being passed by. Moonlight is the difficulty of being, you know, kind of a doubly disrespected person. I mean, you know, a group both homosexual and and black. Twelve Years a Slave is about slavery. Birdman's about kind of. Losing, never, never achieving the greatness that you once had, and or even being even greater, and then Slumdog Millionaire. I mean, there are every movie's gonna have something to overcome. Argo has something to overcome, but it's more of just a story. It's not about a movement. It's not about like an overall feeling. Same thing with Shape of Water. I mean, yeah, you could say it's a narrative about you know people who are. Different, but I don't really feel like that's what it's about at the end of the day. It's not what I felt felt like it was about anyway. And then something like millionaire is about the difficulties of growing up poor in India, which is something that you know, millions of people I mean it's a billion there are a billion people in India. And the income inequality in that country is so well portrayed in this movie and the horrific things that happen and this kid's story of overcoming it and the fact that it takes basically a miracle for him to overcome it and the just how amazing of a movie like the the cinematography of it the narrative it all comes together for me this is my number one oscar Best picture winner over the over the last ten years is Slumdog Millionaire. Um, I if you haven't seen it, go see it, or, or rent it, buy it, whatever. It's this is a this is a fantastic movie. Um, at the end of the I mean, there's a for me there's a gap between one and two, and I really liked Birdman, so I love it. I think Slum Dogs that this is one of the better movies I've ever seen. Hands down, any era, any year. So, anyway, this one's gone long. I've gone. Uh, I this, this is this is a long one, but had a lot to cover. If you're listening, if you're still listening to us, I appreciate it. And wherever you're catching this, if it's your if you're on Twitch, we are live. Twitch.tv/slash two m 2s every Tuesday and Thursday. If you're catching this on a podcast, we are available on Stitcher. Spotify, iTunes, Google Play—we just got on Radio Public, Castbox. So if you, wherever you're catching us, if you could follow, like, subscribe. If you're on iTunes, hit us with those five stars if you liked it. It would be very much appreciated. Anything you do, like I said, uh, if you have anyone, um, anyone you think would like to, would enjoy the pod, please uh, share the message. But uh, that is all I have for today. If you're in Twitch chat, we'll do a little quick q and I don't have time. I really need to go to sleep. I got an early morning. But we'll we'll do a little, little Q&A after this. But if not, then I will catch you this Saturday when we do sports. And next week, I think we're going to do part three of how to How to Fix America. But again, I appreciate your time, and I hope you have a great rest of your week. Peace.